When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to CHGO White Sox podcast coming from our homes. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall23, or X, I guess it's called now, Ecknerwall23. That's my last name spelled backwards, 2-3, for Robin Ventura. That guy to my, I guess, right? I don't know. That's Vinny Dewar. He is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. Follow Vinny at Vinny Duber on that great website, X. And we are, again, in the missing Sean Anderson formation. But if you want to follow him in his adventures out there in Las Vegas... On X, it is at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. For today's show, we will be discussing Yohan Moncada and giving him a grade and the departed from the White Sox, Jake Berger. We'll also give him a grade because he deserves it. He played for the majority of the season here with the White Sox, and he was pretty great. But first, we will be talking about Sean being gone. And yesterday's uh, question was about whether you rather be a rock star like Bono, who he's going to go see tonight, I believe it is, at the Spear in Las Vegas, or Luis Robert, who is one of the best Major League Baseball players going right now. So we'll keep that theme going. And Vinny, I got to ask you, which White Sox starter, Sands, Dylan C, Sands, Michael Kopech, or even Mike Clevenger, who we don't know his status if he's coming back for next year, which White Sox starter would you put take a gamble on for next year that didn't really get a lot of starts this year? Yeah, well, Herb, good morning, first of all. And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, the Bob Seger song, Ramblin' Gamblin' Man, I'm more of the ramblin' uh, element than I am the gambling element. But uh, I get what you're going for. And, you know, there's some guys who got kind of second half tryouts this year that, you know, I think you're thinking about here, Tukey Toussaint, Jesse Schultons, those guys come to mind. Even some guys who were thrown in there at kind of the end, like a Luis Patino, who they did make a trade for at the deadline. Um, but I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to pick a prospect because I think with the amount of spots that the White Sox need to fill in that rotation, I think some young guys are going to get some shots next year. And I think Nick Mistrini is probably the guy who is, his is at the top of that list right now. Um, he, impressed uh in the minor leagues he he had some really good moments there after he was acquired from the dodgers uh in in the middle of the year at the trade deadline uh he's a guy who kind of is is moving kind of quick end of the season at triple a i don't know if he will or let's perhaps say should be part of the opening day rotation uh you know obviously i'm sure he'll have a 
chance to compete in spring training, but uh, he seems like a guy maybe that, that should have a little bit more time in the minor leagues, but that doesn't mean he won't come up uh, at all during the year. And it doesn't mean that he won't be given a chance to, uh, you know, to, to show what he can do, especially if the White Sox end up taking the tack of maybe looking a little bit more to 2025, rather than trying to throw everything at a, uh, at a, at a contending team in the AL central next year. So we'll see what the off, off season holds. Um, like I said, I don't think he'd be part of the rotation coming out of spring training or at least I should say maybe not likely to be part of uh, the rotation coming out of spring training, but I think he's the guy that will get a shot and, and probably, you know, after what we saw at the major league level from Schultons and Toussaint last year, I mean, I, I don't think they really did enough to, to warrant kind of being like, all right, put their name in pen in, in, in the rotation for the, for opening day. It might end up that way because who knows how many starting pitchers they're going to end up acquiring, but I'm going to go with Nick Nestrini to answer your question there, Herb. And I was remiss. I didn't say what's up to our guy, Greg Braggs, who is producing today. Greg Braggs Jr. Appreciate his help. There he is. Ugh, Purdue. I know. That's right. Boiler up. But I never uh, realized that your Twitter handle was your last name backwards. You and uh, Cody. I've uh, broken well, both of you guys. You know us Cub fans. We're stupid. I, I got it. I, I agree. You guys <laughs> sing that uh, Go Cubs Go song at the end of this day after you've already won. I'm leaving. Gonna win today? Hmm. They already won, jerks. Thank you to Josh, AJ, and all of you guys who are watching right now. But my answer, um, I would go with uh Jesse Schultons. He looked good at times, but I don't think he is long for the team because you know it was his rookie year, and I think he was 29 this year, and so he'll be 30 on the other side of what people say is your prime. I'm gonna go with a guy named Tuki Toussaint. Um, while the record didn't look startling. His 4.97 ERA, not that great, but he had one pitch that rated really high as far as run value. It was his curveball, which he threw the most out of his, all of his pitches. It was had a nine run value, in, um, according to Baseball Savant. And we heard from Brian Bannister and how he likes to have reclamation projects. And he's not necessarily a reclamation project. He's never really had good success at the major league level, at least sustained success at the major league level, but he does have a bunch of pitches that Brian can work with and probably shape kind of where he wants him to go with his pitches instead of using the five or six that he has. And he can more like hone in onto, okay, your curveball is deadly. It's one of the best in major leagues. You should use that a little bit more. You combine that with the sinker and then shape the pitches a little bit more and throw out the excess. And then one of the things I actually do not like about a pitcher and he might, you know, and other pitchers might disagree is having way too many pitches. Like back in the day, I don't know if you remember Javi Vasquez, uh, former White Sox, great, great pitcher, awesome stuff. Some of the best stuff, but he had like six or seven pitches where I just think that he fell in love with being so um, versatile instead of using his best pitch more often than not. He's like, oh, I got seven pitches. I'm going to use them kind of equitable, even though all those pitches are not the same. Like, his forcing fastball for Tuki Toussaint in 2023 was kind of trash. It was getting hit every time he threw the ball because he's a mid-90s fastball guy. But that curveball kept people honest and kept people off of where they need to be, and it had a high run value. And I can see Brian Bannister seeing this guy who has many years left to go with the White Sox. I think he's pre-arb right now. And so he can just be inexpensive. As we talked with uh, Andrew Vaughn about the other day, he's not very expensive. They have to sign three pitchers and your Nick Nostrini 
suggestion is right there because he's going to be on the team next year. And he was what acquired from the Lance Lynn trade, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly trade. And he's talking a big game. He wants to, what does he say? Disrupt the, um, or he in- wants, he wants to infiltrate, infiltrate the starting rotation. And that's the, that's the, what's what you want. That's what you want a person to have the confidence to say, Hey, I'm not even in the major leagues yet, but I'm getting there. I'm going to infiltrate that starting rotation, have that mindset already set for what he wants to do in, uh, you know, I think it's uh, fake it until you make it. And so talk the words and bring them into existence. So, but I think Tuki Toussaint has the temperament. He's been in the major leagues. He understands the White Sox. And with the help of Brian Banser and Ethan Katz, he can probably get to where he needs to get in the future. We got our guy, Jim Cook, our sales guy in the house, saying, what's up? Hey, what's up, Jim? And AJ, thank you very much. Getting woken up to talk about Yohan Moncada and Jake Berger. Am I still asleep? This is a nightmare. No, you're still here. We got that in the second and third segment, but we're going to talk right now about a former White Sox who has gone off in the playoffs, especially last night. The stats, you know, one for three. If you just look at that generically, you're like, did he go off there? Yes, he did. That home run he hit last night, murdered it. Three-run home run, scored two runs. And in the playoffs right now, there's a tweet from Sarah Langs, who is one of the greatest uh, followers. If you're not following her, Slangs on sports right now. S Langs on sports. Jose Abreu is the first player with three 430 plus foot home runs in a single postseason tracked by StatCast since 2015. And also from Sarah Langs, Jose Abreu's four home runs are tied for the fifth most in a single postseason at age 36 plus, behind only Barry Bonds in 2002, who did it eight times. And we know what he was on. Hall of Famer Larry Walker did in 2004 with six home runs. David Ortiz, 2013, with five home runs in 1979's Police Stargell. I mean, me and you were pounding the table for Jose Abreu to come back with the White Sox this year because of first leadership, and he was their best hitter last year. And I know this year, kind of White Sox fans are like, you know, he just kind of sucked. But as he is a White Sox, he was hurt all the year. And now in the playoffs, October Abreu has shown up. What are your thoughts on uh, October Abreu and what he's doing with the Astros? Well, I mean, first of all, it's just nice to see him playing this deep into the season, right? I mean, he's a guy who produced so well throughout his White Sox career, which lasted a decade that, uh, you know, he, he deserved to be on this kind of stage. He, he was one of the more productive hitters in baseball uh, ever since he came to America and came to the major leagues. So um, it's just nice to see you know, one of the game's better hitters being on the uh, on the stage and being in position to uh, go and compete for a championship. Uh, but from a White Sox perspective, I mean, they they remember what this guy can do. Uh, you know, all the fans out there should be like, oh, yeah, that's this guy. We remember that guy. Um, you know, obviously, last year we saw the power take a big dip, uh, you know, and, and, and that was team wide. But certainly he was one of those guys. And it was surprising that he was one of those guys because of how consistently he had been up around that 30 home run number um, to not be there last year, to not be there this year. Yeah, it's surprising when you look at the back of the baseball card. Um, but this year, obviously, he's got the. Again, you don't like to use the word excuse, but the uh, the explanation with the injury as to why the numbers were so, so bad. I mean, this was the worst year of his career from a production standpoint. But look, here he is doing, you know, giving the Astros what they paid for in, in a dangerous hitter who can come through in the biggest moments with their season on the line. I mean, these last two games for Houston have been must wins. 
after they dropped both of the games at home to Texas earlier uh, in, in this series in this ALCS. And now it's down to a best of three. And you got a red hot Jose Abreu um, as one of the, the better hitters in that lineup at the moment, which, uh, you know, he, he went to a lineup uh, in which he was going to at best be just one of the best hitters in it, right? As opposed to what he was with the White Sox for so many years, which was far and away the best, if not the only good hitter in some years in that lineup. Um, it, it, it's good to see him be rewarded. And it's obviously good to see him back up the fact that he's still around, right? I mean, I think so many White Sox fans are like, ah, this guy's this guy's kind of over the hill. This guy's not going to really get it done anymore. And if you do want to look at the entirety of the season and he was a guy who was dealing with an injury, maybe maybe that backs up the, that argument a little bit. But hey, the Astros went out and paid for him. Uh, and, and there he is at the end of the year in the, in the playoffs, giving them what they paid for. So um, I, again, I, I think you don't have to necessarily make the argument that he should have been a part of the White Sox this year just because he probably wouldn't have helped them out. Or if he had a great year and was healthy, he probably wouldn't have been one guy able to turn around what was one of the worst years in franchise history. Uh, but when we, we talked about last week, them looking for a guy like Salvi Perez, if they're going in an area where or if they're going in a direction where they want to compete right away next year, boy, it sure seems that Jose Abreu would have fit that need an offseason ago. So um you know, it, it's not to say I told you so they could go in a direction that would can be completely different uh, from from what he would bring. Um, and obviously, like I said, the numbers this year were bad, but uh, he's a guy who is one of the best hitters in White Sox history. And I think White Sox fans should be happy to see him continuing to be a great hitter, uh, even if it's not uh, wearing that jersey. Yeah, my rooting fandom, I do not like the Astros, as most people don't because of the cheating scandal, et cetera, et cetera. But it's undeniable that they are a championship caliber team and they've won championship last year, which I kind of say that that was their actual legitimate championship, even though the 2017 one wasn't taken away from it. They actually still have that one. But one more tweet from Sarah Lang. She says at 36 years old and 36 years and 263 days old, Jose Abreu is the second oldest player with a home run and a stolen base. Jose Abreu, a stolen base in a postseason game younger than only 1909's fred clark do you remember him he was a great player wasn't around for that one herb i know you're a little older than me so maybe you've got a shot at uh, remembering that one but that was uh, that was a little before my time i remember fred he was a good guy he was only 37 he was a young pup at that time 10 days old that day but yeah it's good to see jose abreu have some success i mean i don't know exactly what his numbers were in the oakland and or houston series when the white Sox played them in 2020 and 2021 but as I recall, I don't remember him just, you know, going off Tim, of course. So I remember him starting off his postseason career of nine for nine, and he was hot as hell in Oakland and tried to do everything he could to will the White Sox to that victory. But Jose Abreu having this great success in the playoffs on the national stage is very, very um, enjoyable for me because I think the player and the person are quality. And yes, I hate rooting for the Astros necessarily, but I'm just want that guy to have some success. He deserves it more than most people because of what he's gone through through his life. Firstly, coming from Cuba, his harrowing tale of how he got, um, he left Cuba and, you know, having to get smuggled over here to America and eating his passport, et cetera, et cetera. Missing his family for years, not seeing his kids, his mother, all these things. And then coming to the White Sox, rookie of the year immediately going through all that badness of the White Sox and then finally getting to the promised land of 2020 where he went absolutely off. 
as his MVP season. And then in 2021, he followed it up. And then we got to the playoffs again, winning that division for the first time since 2008. And then it ended just so sorely and so badly for the White Sox and Jose Abreu, where you pretty much said they're not family or they weren't family here. And you saw the 81 and 81 record in 2022. And you're like, it can't get worse. But as we discussed, Vinny, and I know Sean was on the other side, and rightfully so. I think ultimately the White Sox made the right choice because you got to put the Andrew Vaughn thing in front. You have to see if he can play first base in this young business career and paying $20 million for an aging superstar who didn't really hit a lot of home runs. Some would say that's foolhardy. I would say if the reigning champions are doing it, you should be interested in it also. And also the reigning division um, champions, the Cleveland Guardians at that time, were also looking for Jose Abreu and trying to sign him. So real people were trying to sign him, but the White Sox weren't interested, at least not for that price of $20 million per year. So it's good to see them have a little bit of redemption and to have a little success in the playoffs. And I look forward to today's game to see if Jose Abreu can continue his hot start. And it's always good to have a good person do good things when the spotlight is on him the highest. Well, and I'll just say too. Ahead, I'll just sorry. say too. Like, remember back when he was a free agent after the 2019 season, and and he was getting a little miffed that people were out there saying that he was too old and that that he wasn't going to be able to produce through a three year contract the way that he did. And what did he do the next year? Went out and won the MVP. And and I feel like this is a little bit more of the same, right? I mean, yeah, he was hurt all year. He didn't have an MVP caliber season, not anywhere close to it. It was the worst year of his career. Uh, from a number standpoint, but if White Sox fans and even the White Sox, perhaps we don't know what was, what those conversations were like, we're like, you know, three-year deal for you right now is, is just, is just not going to work because of your age. And he says, all right, I'll go out there and I'll hit a bunch of home runs in the playoffs and I might win the world series in the first year of that new deal. So, um, you know, don't, uh, don't uh, underestimate the uh, prove it element that any athlete, but in this case, and in cases past Jose Abreu might have. After the break, we will talk about Jose Abreu's paisombre, Johan Moncada, and give him a grade for what he did in 2023. I think you guys can guess what that grade would be. But Circus Sports, they have tight money lines, tight money line splits, and low hold model. Games will strive to be a 9-110 split at Circus Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which are usually at one minus 115 or minus 120. Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books. Circus Sports does not limit players on their winnings. Every player has the same limits unlike other books who do limit their winning players. Sorry, there's going to be a lot of noise in the background. They're doing stuff. When I do a bad take, you'll hear cops and or fire people. Sorry, Circus Sports, I'm interrupting the read, but that's what you're going to hear in the background. We encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available and compare the lines from each sports bets. And they have awesome customer service. There'll be real people behind the Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use chat bite, chatbots and the like. All aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sports sports book at the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. What you need to do is download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois dash app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for circuit events like watch parties and tailgates like this Sunday. We're having a tailgate with the CHGO Bears. My guy, Greg Braggs, who is producing the show, is our guy for the tailgates, and the circuit sports will be out there. 
If you or someone you know might have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or text GAMB to 833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. And game time, one of my favorites. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And I've said this before. Went down to Atlanta, and I know time from time you hear these reads, and you're like, these can't be real. And I feel the same way. Like, they talk about their Game Time guarantee, and I was like, see? Feeney's right there looking for Blackhawks. What better thing to do than go to Connor Bedard's first home game at the United Center? Game time has you covered. I mean, if you want to go, get the tickets up at game time. And if you find a lower price, as I did in Atlanta, you find the lower price in the row in the section that you're in, game time will refund you in your account 110%. That's what I got. I found a lower uh, price on a different app for the first time. I sent the email to game time within 12 minutes. That was in my account. The difference was in my account, the 110% difference was in my account. Last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, Game Time makes it easy to find, buy your tickets for every kind of event. See the view from your seat, because it's very important. If you're at a place like Wrigley, oh my God, obstructive views all day long. So Game Time has those views for you before you go to the game. All-in prices show you the total upfront. That's exactly what I like to see. So you know what you're getting, a great deal without the hidden fees. Buy tickets in in seconds with two taps. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to go to find last minute seats. Flash exclusive exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals for tickets on football, baseball, basketball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And at game time, the guarantee means you'll always get the best price. As I said before, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Now, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Now, third base. <laughs> this I don't game... know, third base, sir. I don't know, third base. <sighs> Just had to get a nice Abbott and Costello uh, reference in there for all of our young, hip viewers. Exactly. Timely. You know, that's what you're about. Mm -hmm. This is the thing, Vinny. I said, and now it comes to be not true, that the experience in the World Baseball Classic would propel these guys who were there. Lance Lynn propelled him to a great season. Nope. Tim Anderson propelled him to a great season. No, sir. Even your man, Jose Ruiz, propelled him to a great season, and he was gone before the month ended in the first in the first month of the regular season. Now, isn't Jose Ruiz in the playoffs with the Arizona Diamondbacks? I don't know if he's in the playoffs. His team's in the, the team playoffs. Is. He might get a ring, though. <laughs> but there was a guy who was the actual, on the World Baseball Classic All-Star team, the third base representative for the world baseball classic and i was like let's effing go this is gonna be a even year mancata because we saw in 2019 his best year 
2021, also a great year. Here we go, 2023, great World Baseball Classic. Here comes Yoan Moncada, hitting the ball everywhere, gloving it at third at the World Baseball Classic. And then right after the World Baseball Classic, he's kind of sidelined with the back problem. And then we see him in that first game in Houston, two home runs in that first series. We're like, okay, here we go. Yoan Moncada is going to be on one this year. And then the injury bug bit him again, and it pretty much held on to him for the whole season with multiple injuries, but mostly the back injury. Vinny, Yoan Kata is such an enigma because we know what the ceiling is. We've seen it, but we've been getting all floor for him, and the floor has been going lower and lower every year. So what are your thoughts on the 2023 of Yoan Mankata, and what are your what grades would you give him for his offense and defense? Well, this is the first position we've gotten to where the guy uh, who has had a woeful offensive season has had a reason for it. Uh, you know, I, I think we talked about Yasmani Grandal and his ability to stay for him relatively healthy. We talked about Andrew Vaughn and his ability to play more games than he has in his big league career. We talked about Elvis Andrews, who, who, who played most of the entire season. All three of those guys had very, very disappointing offensive seasons. Yuan Moncada was forced basically from a physical standpoint into a very, very poor offensive season. Um, I don't think you can give him any other grade, but an F because he failed to produce from an offensive standpoint, but it definitely needs to come with that explanation alongside of it. Um, the problem is for him and for several of these White Sox players, certainly Tim Anderson falls into that category at this point. Aloy Jimenez obviously falls into the category at this point. They can't, they, or they haven't been able to change the storyline. They haven't been able to say, oh, well, that, you know, I was injured and, and you'll see next year what, what I can actually do. Certainly that's the hope. Certainly what's they, that's what they plan on doing going into the season. But then for one reason or, or for multiple reasons with some of these guys, it's here we go again. And I think uh, the story for Moncada and, and for Aloy Jimenez too has really just been these guys can't, they have not shown that they can stay healthy over the course of an entire season. Um, you know, Moncada did, but but a while back at this point. So um, it's the same old song for, for Yoan Moncada again in 2023. And probably the, with the exception of what he went through in the shortened season, in the COVID season, when he was dealing with some pretty severe after effects of a COVID infection, uh, this is the, the worst that this has gotten so far for him in a back injury that literally just prevented him from being able to, to swing the bat. Uh, and, and it showed up in the stat line, you know, gruesomely. Um, you know, I still think he showed that when healthy, he's as good of a defender as you'll find over there at third base, or, or certainly one of them, I suppose, uh, guys like Arenado and, Chapman have 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 made uh, you know reputations as being all time elites, but uh, Yoan Moncada is a great defender at third base. Uh, you know, for folks that um, were clamoring all year before they traded Jake Berger, who we'll talk about in a little bit, to move him back to second, that's the guy you want playing third base for you, especially when he's healthy. But when he's healthy, is always going to be the uh, the thing that follows. Uh, anything with Yoan Moncada. And certainly that was the case this year. You feel bad for the guy because of what you said, you know, it looked like he was ready to rip uh, after the uh, world baseball classic, but basically the day he got back, it seemed like uh, he was dealing with a back injury and he was dealing with a back injury all the way till August. So, um, you know, not a good season for Yoan Moncada. Uh, he, but I guess the silver lining is, and uh, I, I'm sure White Sox fans are very sick of it, is that, hey, wait till next year. Maybe he'll be healthy again next year, and he can show you what he can really do. And Jacob says my thing. I famously on this podcast say, 
He's a top seven first baseman. That's what he was after the 2021 season. He, according to War, top seven for third baseman in the league, both with hitting and fielding. And it's so disappointing to see that he hasn't grown from that. And we can just go through all the injuries since then that Yohan Moncadas has had. And it's just a, a list, a laundry list of things. In 2021, he had an illness. He had a hand problem. He had an oblique in 2022 a quad in 2022, a hamstring in 2022, a foot, a hamstring again. And as you said, this year, hurt by back problems. And we didn't even talk about how he was kind of hurt by COVID and the recovery there. And so he is just a constant injury uh, player. Like, you don't see the actual Yoan Moncada that showed up here in 2019 because of injuries. And some might say he just might be this player. If he shows you this, even when he is hurt, this is what he is. And so I get you if you're a White Sox fan and just tired of the excuses of you on Mancata, put up or shut up type of things. And I get that. That's 100% valid. But you see the talent and you know he's going to be on the team. He's going to be making $24 million on the team next year. And so he'll be here. There'll be no, I don't think, any trades for you on Mancata unless the White Sox are eating a bunch of that money next year and i don't think that's jerry's uh whole deal you won't want to be trading and what we'll discuss later you don't have a backup really for yoan mancada you had one early in the year and then they trade him away to miami but yoan mancada finished the season with a 260 average a 305 on base percentage and a 425 slug for 98 uh weighted runs created plus not that good like he's a third baseman and i hold him to a high standard because if he goes, the White Sox go, just like Tim. Like, if he puts in 30 home runs, which I expect from my third baseman, 100% expect from my third baseman, especially how young he is. I think he's only 28 years old. These numbers are not what you need. And we'll discuss what Jake Berger does, and you'll see his numbers will dwarf those numbers that you just saw from Yoan Mankata. I just think that his 2023 was plagued by injuries, but also – when he did come back from that back problem the second time, I was like, okay, this might be a mistake. We should just rest him. But Yoan Moncada, and this is what I'll ask you next, kind of pushed through and had a better finish than I thought he would. Now, not satisfied, but it's kind of like, okay, if he can keep this momentum going into 2024 and stay healthy, we might see the Yoan Moncada we need to because the right-handed swing was finally connecting for power. And so that told me that his back is feeling a little bit better, a little looser. And so, Vinny, is there any hope for a better 2024 for Yohan Moncada because you saw that great 2024, or is it always hold your breath until the next injury happens? Well, I think it's probably a mixture of both, right? I think it's probably that, of course, there's reasons for hope, and he showed you exactly why. You flash those numbers. I think people who have wa- who watched him the whole season are probably surprised that that WRC is as high as it is, right? I mean, like that that's a league average player. Uh, obviously, what numbers weren't up there were the games played and the fact that those were so low. But um, and obviously the expectations are that he would be far above a league average player. But um, you know, the hope should be there, I think. I think when once he shook that back injury at the end of the year he looked like a guy who could be that guy. And uh, I I know the White Sox still have high hopes for him. I think you're right. I don't think there's any way that he's not the third baseman next year, just because of what that salary is going to be jumping to. Um, 
you know, if there are guys that are going to be traded away from this team, probably not going to be someone who's making as much money as he is with the production to go along with it. So, um, but I, I think he still can be that hitter. Uh, you know, it has been health that has prevented him from doing that the last few years. The thing is, he's got to go out and prove that he can stay on the field, that he can stay healthy, that he can avoid the kind of things that have been bugging him for now, what, four seasons in a row. Um, I, I think the White Sox see a guy that, and especially Pedro Grafal, sees a guy who, remember when he walked all the time? Remember the on-base skills that he had? They see a guy who they're like, if we could just get him to be something like that guy again, something like the guy who walked 80 times in a, in a year one at one point. Wow. That'd be great. Um, and, and, and obviously it would be, uh, but you know, you combine the, the, the on-base skill with the power skill, that guy's still there. You see why that he, you know, you, you ask, why is he going to be making that much money next year? That's, that's why, uh, you know, because he's got the potential to be something really special. Uh, you know, one of the American league's more impressive hitters, but, um, it's been injuries that have prevented him from coming anywhere close to that. Uh, and last year, like I said, uh, it, it was almost probably the worst that we've, that we've seen him affected by those injuries. If you, if you throw out 2020, so, um, it's, it's about proving it. It's about proving it. And I, I think just like Pedro Grafol uh, said numerous times at the end of the season, people don't want to hear that they have to prove it anymore. They want to just see them do it. So uh, that's that's what the story is for Yohan Moncada. Absolutely. And I would love to see Yohan Moncada being moved up in the lineup. And I know he doesn't deserve it, especially with those numbers I just put flashed up there. But you just spoke to it. The on-base potential is enormous. Like he got on at a what, 37% clip back in the day in 2021 now at 305 that's not Yoan Moncada I think he was a different player because of the injury and where he batted in the lineup he was more asked to produce runs and I think he's more of a two hitter in the lineup if you're going to go with Tim Anderson at the one and that can be discussed when we discuss it on Monday with uh, me and Sean but I would like instead of Andrew Benintendi at the two who led the team with a 325 on base percentage, I would like a guy who can get on the base at like a 370 clip and have a little bit power and, you know, a little versatility with both uh, being a switch hitter for Yoan Mankata. And I think that his 2024 will be predicated, of course, on his uh, health. But if even if he does have a 100% healthy year, we've seen these White Sox and we discussed it yesterday. Andrew Vaughn had pretty much a healthy year. He didn't produce. Aloy Jimenez, not necessarily a healthy year, but he posted. He played a lot of the games. Numbers weren't great. Yoan Mankata did not play them, you know, the number of games, and that's because of injuries. But I think even if he does play without pain and he plays through these injuries, it's not a guarantee that he will actually put those numbers up. I'm hoping because he's relatively young that he's looking for another contract with the $24 million he's getting next year. He's like, I like that money. I like that lifestyle that affords me. What I should do is start hitting like that and putting him up at the two hitter as with Luis Robert right behind him as a three hitter. And you can argue if you believe in protection or not, but guess who does? Pitchers and hitters believe in protection behind you. And so Yoan Moncada having a hitter like Yoan, um, Luis Robert Jr. and a Hawaii Jimenez, if he's coming back um, behind him, will have those pitchers throwing him a little bit more fastballs not wanting to walk that guy in front of Luis Robert Jr. as we talked about before Luis Robert Jr. with a bunch of solo home runs because the two guys in front of him Andrew uh, Benintendi and Tim Anderson barely got on for him and so that's why he was the sparkling guy with almost 40 home runs and nowhere near 100 RBI so Yoan Moncada getting on base is key 
And I think if Pedro and his crew have him up closer to the top of the lineup, I think that would be a little bit better for him. And I got a question from Marcos Bueno, my guy Marcos. Met him a couple times at ball games. We were at the Cubs Sox game. And I think both Cubs Sox games, we chilled out and also a Bulls uh, meetup. He has, uh, what's up, fellas? Happy Friday, y'all. Heading to San Diego tonight. Herb, any recommendations on food joints to hit up? Vinny's been to San Diego too, but I've only been there, what, 2016? I lived there for a whole year, and then I went back in 2020. I think uh, the places I have might not be there anymore. Carnita Snack Shack, which is in the North Park area or University Village area. And, of course, in the Barcadero, it's a Crack Shack which is a chicken place that has really good chicken. Of course, you're in San Diego. Get some sushi. Any one of the places. Maybe not the sushi delis downtown, but there's sushi everywhere. And if you go to San Diego and you don't get a California burrito, you didn't win. Go and get a California burrito and or some um, carne asada fries. Of course, you can get those from anywhere in any Mexican place in there. So, Vinny, you got any recommendations for Marcos? I do. I will. I will heartily endorse the uh, California burrito. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you're looking for some fish, head up to La Jolla, uh, El Pescador Fish Market. Good stuff there. They got a ton of stuff to choose from. That's great. Uh, I love also the. Uh, I think it's called the Taco Stand. They've got locations all over town. Uh, and then if you like to partake in an adult beverage, uh, you can check out uh, False Idol, which is a great tiki bar, uh, or Noble Experiment, a wonderful uh, kind of hidden speakeasy style cocktail bar. Both those are uh, closer to downtown. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff all around. It's a good, very good food and drink town. Absolutely. And before we get to Jake Berger after the break. Let's give our grades. I mean, Yoan Mankata, we, of course, his offense is going to be an F because while the numbers don't look as bad as they seem to be, those numbers were produced mostly at the second half of the season where he played well and the White Sox were out of it. it was, we put together his defense was a B minus. You know, the metrics might not say it, that he was a top third baseman, but our eyes said it. Our eyes said that every ball, for the most part, he got to, he was making spectacular plays. There was a couple bad throws, but we know that that's not Yoan Moncada as a whole. And overall, we're going to give uh, Yoan Moncada F for his 2023 season just because he wasn't good. That is not what we need from Yoan Moncada. We're going to have a continuing theme of people who don't pass mustard. This is not good. This is not good at all. And what Yoan Moncada has to do is overcome this mediocrity and these injuries that he has because uh, he's one of the best players as we said he's a top five player when he is ready to go at third base and this version of Yoan Mankata especially with the money he's making now is unacceptable but after the break we will talk about a guy that hmm, if he was here maybe could replace Yoan Mankata if they were doing a trade but unfortunately he's in Miami now but are you in the market for a new vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you. Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake have just joined the CHGO team. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. And right now, Ram Power Days at Ray CDJR, only in Fox Lake, you'll be able to secure 0% financing or 17% off new Ram models. But that's not all. Now through October 31st, explore their newly renovated showroom and take advantage of their limited-time seven-year anniversary savings. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. 
because they are the only team that we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or visit RayCDJR.com today, serving the community since 1963. And usually when we're in the studio, our sec decorations are brought to you by FOCO. They've donated a few pieces, that Tim Anderson doll, or uh, Tim Anderson uh, bobblehead from the 35th and Shields, and of course, the uh, Southpaw um, bobblehead also, but a few awesome pieces that go on our set. Go show them some love. You get fitted out in the best sports gear around. If you're watching the playoffs, you see the Phillies, when they win the championship in the ALD and the NLDS, they're wearing these overalls. Those are from FOCO. You can go and get them right now. Hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. It's baseball season. Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for the game. Go check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the code CHGO for 10% off. And I've already talked about it in our guy Greg Braggs is producing the show right now. CHGO Diehard Program. You get 20% off all events and merch. And the thing that we have with our Diehard is this Sunday, the Bears are playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Before that, we have a tailgate. The CHGO Bears are throwing a tailgate. And our guy, Greg Braggs Jr., is running it. He's the guy. I have a great time every time I'm out there. And Greg, some great times are out there at the CHGO tailgates, even though the, the results after those tailgates are not great. Yeah, they've been a lot of fun. Uh, all you can eat, fire water, barbecue. I think you guys can attest to it. The food is Mercy. unbelievably good. Pulled pork, wings, macaroni and cheese, coleslaw, the whole nines. And uh, all you can drink, Goose Island beer. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. We got Circus Sports out there, too, you can get introduced to. Uh, it's a great atmosphere. It's a lot of fun. The whole It's not just the CHGO Bears team that's out there for the tailgate. It's all of us from mm -hmm. CHGO Sports. Herb's been out there helping, working hard with me, and, and all the different teams. You can meet Matt and Dave from CHGO Bulls, and you can meet everybody across the CHGO, CHGO Sports community. So if you come out, anybody can come. You don't have to just be a diehard, but if you become a diehard, you can get a discount on that event, get a free shirt right out the gate, discounts on any future shirts, go to the Blackhawks event in a couple of weeks. It starts to pay for itself if you take advantage of the diehard opportunity and then all the exclusive, you know, written content and access you have to the stuff like that. No better time than to become a diehard right now here at CHGO Sports. And for the next two KO Gates, X-Golf will be giving away a $200 gift certificate to any of their Chicagoland locations. Find the X-Golf nearest you at playxgolf.com. As Greg said, they have, we have dope merch for all teams. Free shirt when you become a member. A member-only Discord where you can talk to us, talk to other people who are in the Discord who are diehards. Our Monday mailbag is all sourced by diehard disc, uh, Discord members. So if you want to become a person who's talking to us in the Chicago White Sox part of the Discord or Big Ten, Bulls, Blackhawks, everything in between. Get a diehard membership right now. Go to allchgo.com. Written premium content for all members at allchgo.com. Like I said, 20% off of events, 20% off of merchandise. So go to allchgo.com and become a diehard member today. Yeah, you can go in that Big Ten Discord and talk about that number three basketball mm. team in the country mm. preseason preseason national player of the year, Zach Eady. What do you think, Herb? 
man's been at school for 20 years. He should be the he should be a all American. He's I'll older than everybody. You and Frazier and all these other guys that played for seven years. You go ahead with your just tall and bad. Um, he's just taller than everybody and older than everybody. Let's get to somebody who's actually good. He went to a school down there by you, uh, Vinny, and uh, where you went to school, he went to Missouri State, the Bears down there, and that's the great Jake Berger. And one thing I love about Jake Berger and his family, just salt of the earth people, like his story also, like Jose Abreu, is very harrowing. It's him dealing with a multiple, what, Achilles tears, and then the White Sox allowing him to go play independent ball in 2020 when he wasn't, there wasn't any minor league ball, so he had to stay healthy, stay active and really this year we weren't expecting anything from jake berger because he didn't even make the opening day roster and as we talked about with uh yoa mancada that's pretty much when he got his big break and he took advantage of his break now the numbers for the white Sox, and if you flash them up there greg don't look awesome i mean if you're an average guy he's a 214 average with the white Sox, 279 on base but that last number 527 slugging percentage for a 113 weighted runs created plus for Jake Berger. Vinny, what more can be said about Jake Berger during his time with the White Sox? And I, well, before I go, let me give you what he did with the Miami Marlins in his 53 games he played with them. If you're an average guy, 303. If you're an on base guy, 355. If you're a slugging guy, 505. So Jake Berger became the player that we would have loved to have here in the White Sox. But Kenny Williams said, nah, get off my team immediately. Well, I don't know if it was quite so forceful as, as that, but uh, certainly they traded, uh, they traded when the stock was high. They, they, you know, they sold high on Jake Berger. And so there's no doubt about that. That being said, with the way everybody else had performed offensively on the team, if he was still part of this club, he would be one of the reasons that you would be expecting, um, or that you might want to expect good, better things for next season, but he is a Miami Marlin and, and you read there, Herb, you know, the, the, the vast difference in the, in the numbers that he put up with the White Sox and that he put up with the Marlins, maybe a little more of what we were talking about earlier with Abreu, that prove it mindset. Hey, you don't think I can be anything, but a guy who hits some home runs. Well, I'm going to show it to you and I'm going to show it to you with a team that's going to the playoffs. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's no reason to, disparage anything that Berger did with the White Sox. He was excellent this year in terms of exceeding expectations. He didn't make the opening day roster for a very clear reason. They didn't have a place for him. Um, but guess what? When you hit the way that he did, when you make the kind of noise that he can with the bat, uh, you find a place for him. And, uh, you know, certainly long-term, they were committed to Vaughn. They were committed to Moncada. There wasn't really anywhere still for, for Berger to play, even with that DH spot where they're committed to Aloy Jimenez. So um, those guys have already been paid for, with the exception of Vaughn, of those of those three. Um, Berger came up. He hit a lot of home runs. He turned in a lot of really good moments. You remember that walk-off grand slam that he hit uh, on a Sunday uh, afternoon? It was a really, really good season for him. Now, were the was the average good? No. Were the on base skills good? No. Uh, you know, but the but the defense was a lot better than we thought it was going to be. And I think by the by the end of his time with the White Sox, he had proven us wrong that uh, that he could be a player that could play a major league position and play it fine. He wasn't making any any you know uh, Gold Glove uh, cases at all or anything like that. But considering that we didn't think. He could even play third base, and he did that well when Moncada was out, and that the, to the point where they even tried him out at second base a few times. 
really good job to keep working by Jake Berger. And I think you see in those Marlins numbers that he keeps working and keeps working. He found an average, uh, you know, he found a way to hit for average, even be it over only a two month span. He found a way to get on base, even if it was only over a two month span. And maybe next year he's more, he's close, he's closer to being that two month hitter that he was with the, with the fish than he was for the four months with the White Sox, because he's found a way to turn power and, average and on base and kind of melt meld those things together. This guy was a first round draft pick. They had very high hopes for him as a college hitter who was experienced. It was, it was pushed back because of the injuries, but here he's getting his chance and he's, and he's made a lot of it. So a really good job by Jake Berger this year. Uh, you know, sad to see him go from a personality standpoint. He's a great guy uh, to talk to. Um, and I think fans should be, should have been sad to see him go for that reason. Um, but uh, the White Sox sold high and now they've got to hope that Jake Eater, the pitcher that they got in that trade from the Marlins uh, turns out to be something because Jake Berger looks like he's something right now too. And blank name says Jake Berger has to be an A. You guys at the beginning of the year said that he cannot play third base, and that's what Vinny just said. He proved to be fine over there, and he hit like the guy who dra- was drafted in the first round, and I couldn't agree more. He had a year where he showed that he is not just a part-time player, that he's not just a guy that is, um, when you bring up uh, Moncada or when Moncada goes out, you have a good, solid uh, replacement. He turned into the player that – we thought he could be and the, the the potential of that. And I was not really mad that he was gone because I saw them trading high on him. And I said there were examples of other White Sox who had a flash in the pan and then fizzled out later. Uh, Carlos Quinton comes to mind. Uh, uh, obviously, El Garcia, his now current teammate at the Marlins, who had that one good all-star year and then pretty much flashed out. But like you said, Jake Eater didn't have a good year with the White Sox or the Marlins, but he's coming off a Tommy John surgery for he had last year. I have uh, high hopes for the guy. I have uh, nothing but admiration for Jake Berger, and uh, it flashed the grades up there. He didn't get an A from us, blank name, but he got real close because he was pretty damn good this year for the Chicago White Sox, and we will pretty much end right here. Offense, he was an A. Like the numbers of average and such, I don't pay attention too much, but I write them up there for – the people who do, he was an A. That 527 slugging percentage is what you need as a third baseman, as we said, with Yoel Moncada. He didn't he didn't match up, and Jake Berger hit 30-plus home runs this year, and that's got to be for something. His defense, better, much better than he was last year. He can play third base at a competent level, if not uh, a little slightly above average. And like you said, second base, he was decent too. And overall, we gave him a B because, you know, just it's sad to see him go, but the player outperformed every expectation. As I said, he didn't start the team the year on the team. He was in the minor leagues in Charlotte and then only got called up pretty much because Yoan Mankata got hurt. So it'll be missed, but he had a great year and we're looking forward, just like Jose Abreu, we'll be cheering for him in the future, hopefully in the playoffs with the Miami Marlins more times and not just two games like he got this year. But yes, uh, Jake Berger was a very valuable member of the 2023 White Sox, and I'm going to miss him. But I think Jake Eater has a bright future that I think that at the end of this is all done. People will say, yeah, it's tough to lose Jake Berger, but Jake Eater is exactly the pitcher the White Sox needed in 2026, whatever year he's going to come up, whatever, probably 2025. Um, So that is Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber on X. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me, Ecknerwall23 on X, and Sean Anderson, who is in Las Vegas. You can follow him at Sean 
underscore W underscore Anderson. And thank you for Greg Braggs Jr. for helping us out. Purdue still sucks. And we will talk to you and uh, it'll be Sean and myself from Studio A on Monday. Vinny, have a great vacation. Thank you, Herb. And we'll see you on Monday. Y'all silly like the mayor. 